The Truth News Network. Remember when Al Gore told us he took illegal campaign contributions from China and admitted he knew they were illegal, but that there was no enforcing authority, so he did it anyway? When the law is ignored because there is no force to stand in the way, you're not living in a republic. You're living in exactly the same country the fathers of this country escaped from. It's time to push back. And that starts with the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Pushback King, that's what I'll be for today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week. April is unfolding before us. That means spring is technically just around the corner. Or is it here already? I don't know. But it feels like spring in Louisiana. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope it was a productive one. I hope you got together with people that you know and love and that you guys just commiserated about anything and everything. I tell you this, folks, life is all about everything but just ourselves. We have circles of influence. Sometimes we don't even realize the impact that our lives have on the lives of other people. Everybody has somebody that is watching them, and usually you don't even know who it is. But your life makes an impact on some people every day, as does mine. And there's some accountability that goes with that. We need to be pretty particular about what and who we are when we're with other people. Not saying be fake. I'm saying just be good, be honest, be truthful. And boy, that kind of weighs into one of the things we're going to talk about today. We've got a busy, busy day here at TNN Live. Just got a phone call right before airtime from Mike Bro, Big guy. I mean, he's a really big guy. Former football player lineman, great Christian guy, great brother driving through town. And he just made a comment about the show and said he needs it and uses it for information regarding political things. I just want to make it very clear. That's not all we are about politics here at TNN Live. What we do here is we try to parallel circumstances in all of our lives that we've got commonality with almost in every case but so that we can understand, and not just based on my opinion or your opinion, but a potpourri of information that's based on facts. That's what we do here. We're going to get into the racism thing. We're going to get into the sexism thing. We're going to get into the political slants of all of these things and why we have to do that because you've got to figure out who said it, who indicated it, who did it, what color their skin is, and are they biologically male or female, but we can't say that. We have to call them they. And it's getting out of hand. (laughs) I mean, it is just going absolutely stark raving crazy around the world. I mean, all of this craziness in the order of what what I just mentioned, it's everywhere. Everywhere you go now on the planet, there's no place that, I think you're exempt from any of it. And so we can no longer just run away from all these issues. We must deal with them. And so over the weekend, I uh, I didn't spend a lot of time watching the news. I felt like Thursday and Friday, the news cycle regarding real information had kind of started to settle down. And I don't understand why, except maybe the parallel with the springtime. 
everybody's kind of in a transition mode. And of course, we get a lot of our signals about things when Congress is in session, roaring and, and going strong. Most of them had some time off. Maybe that's why they weren't in Washington, D.C., stirring it up. So we didn't hear a lot. Nevertheless, that doesn't mean there were not many important things happening. On the other side of the globe from us here in North Louisiana, our Ukrainian brothers and sisters are still taking it to the despot who is president of the Russian army and military. That's Vladimir Putin. The Ukrainian people over the weekend, they they accomplished some things. At least they feel like they did. Ukrainian forces, reportedly, folks, have retaken all of Kiev, all of the capital city, and the areas surrounding the capital. Russian forces, they're still retreating toward the Donbass region, and the governments of both nations move closer to reaching a peace agreement. Now, that is coming out of over there early this morning. Erpin, Buka, Gostomel, and the whole Kiev region were liberated from the invader. That's from Ukrainian Deputy Defense Minister Ghana Malar. He announced that Saturday evening late on Facebook. So, if that is true, let me tell you what I'm going to predict is about to happen, at least in this war. I believe we're, we're going to see a Russian military that is just so beefed up and will do anything and everything just shy of nuclear strikes on the Ukrainian army trying to get rid of them. I think maybe this is Vladimir Putin's last shot we're about to look at this week. I may be wrong. I could be wrong. But just based upon the little bits that we've been able to confirm coming out of Ukraine, it looks like it's really going to be dramatic. So buckle up. We're in this all together and we don't know what it's going to look like, although it is really ugly. Let me give you an example of how ugly it is. We don't get into this. Our news media won't paint these pictures. And in just a moment, we'll talk about why that is. But they walked up, a group walked up on a mass grave over the weekend, contained the bodies of at least 20 Ukrainian civilians. And those 20 included a mayor and her family. Now, this is just outside of the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. The pit was uncovered in a woodland area about 20 miles west of the city of Buka, where another mass grave had been found and contains the bodies of another local mayor. That mayor had been rolled into the hastily dug pit alongside at least 20 others, including families, some of whom showed signs of torture. She herself, this mayor, was found with her fingers and arms broken. One resident said Russian soldiers killed any Ukrainian officials who refused to collaborate with the Russians. The second mass grave to be uncovered behind the backs of those Russian troops that are hauling tail, that's after a 45-foot pit containing the bodies of at least 60 civilians was uncovered earlier. Hundreds of other civilians have been found dead. In, in, in that, in the aftermath of all of this, the stuff that they're seeing, you and I, we, we don't see anything in the way of what the horrors look like on the ground. Can you imagine 
walk outside your door or get in the car and drive to your um, Starbucks. And along the way, all you saw was destruction. Buildings just excoriated, streets, no street lights, and dead people laying all over the place. That's what the Ukrainian people are seeing now. It's a horror show. And I got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know that it's getting any better. It seems like it is. The Ukrainian people feel like they're, they're doing a good job against Russia. It sounds like they're doing a good job against Russia. But what we don't want to see is Vladimir Putin resort to that last and final blow. And he seems like the kind of guy that would do just that. Throw a Hail Mary pass, in this case nuclear passes. If this thing turns nuclear, folks, it's going to change the world forever. And it won't take long when it happens. All any despot has to do is push that button and we'll find ourselves in probably six or eight hours tops in another world war, World War III, and this time it won't just be us against Germany, us against the Japanese. It will be a world War. Can you imagine having the United States, Russia, and China fighting against each other? With the world's technology as it is today. Talk about a horror show, my gosh. It would be a horror show. So where's your president in all of this? Well, let, let me just say this about Uncle Joe. I think he's trying, but I don't think he's trying to do what the people want him to do. He's trying to do what those, whoever his watchdog, guide dogs are, are leading him and telling him to do every day. So here's Joe's answer to the latest debacles in our world. He's going to release 180 million barrels of oil from our strategic reserves. That's a million barrels a day for six months, 180 days. And he's going to do that to try to bring down our near-record gas prices that were climbing really, really high before Russia's invasion, but have since spiked. They've gone through the roof. This will be the largest release of oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve since it was put together back in the early 70s. And it's probably not going to work. You've seen gas prices come down in most places maybe 5 to 10 cents a gallon. Folks, that's not because this oil is there. They don't want you to know this, but the earliest they can get this oil out of these reserves is a minimum of 30 days, more likely six weeks to two months. So why would they make this big hoo-ha about it, and why would the price of oil at the gas pump, why would it come down the way it has? Why would it come down at all? Well, they want to make it look good. And remember, when you're buying gas, if you're a retail outlet, a chain outlet, or an even an individually one, uh, owned one, when you buy your gas, you're not buying your gas for tomorrow. The You know, that gas they're going to bring and pump into your underground tanks in two weeks or three weeks. You're buying at the price you're going to pay in two or three weeks. So some of these big chains are rolling the dice and they're saying, Joe's going to put some oil out there, a million barrels every day. So this is not going to happen for four to six weeks, but we're going to go ahead 
and lower the gas a little bit based upon what we're being told is in the process of happening. They're rolling the dice, folks, because this is not an administration full of a bunch of honest people. (laughs) I'm telling you. They're playing the political game in everything they do. And Joe's concept, a million barrels a day, is probably not going to work. You know why? Well, it's not just one thing. Congestion on the Gulf Coast. A possible supply reduction from Saudi Arabia and even other oil producers. The fact that 100 million barrels over the next six months isn't enough to even come close to offset the loss of Russian oil exports. Those are not as important as what the announcement tells us about Joe's plan for Ukraine and how it fits into a national security strategy for the United States that's a blanket when it covers everything. What this action he's taken, what it tells us, is Biden has no plan for Ukraine, no overarching national security strategy for the United States. Now, this this action he's about to take, it's happened before. It's just the latest in a string of seemingly haphazard, impromptu policies and pronouncements coming out of this administration. And almost every time there is one, we go into, at least for a little while, confusion, misunderstanding, misrepresentation, not just here in the U.S., but among our allies. And along with that comes projected weakness and indecision at the hands of our commander-in-chief, and it affects us the way people look at us all around the world. Some people fault Biden for not doing more to help the Ukrainians. I'm one of them, my hands up. Some for doing too much and risking open war with Russia. What all these critics should share is the belief that Biden's contradictory signals over the past month, his half-hearted and constantly shifting military aid to Ukraine, the absence of any off-ramps for Russia, they don't have one. We could throw them a bone. Joe won't throw him a bone. Total economic war on Moscow. Virtually no effort to facilitate or encourage any of these negotiations that are underway. We haven't tried to get the two parties to sit down at all. All of those things have been perhaps more dangerous than any clear and consistent policy might have been. So as the war drags on, I don't think anybody will will go up against this thought. It's getting worse in Ukraine and Europe, not better. There's more chaos. There's less clarity. Look at what happened this past week, so-called gaffes during Biden's trip to Europe. He told members of the 82nd Airborne Division in Poland, they're going to see the bravery of Ukrainians when you're there. And of course, The nation and the world went crazy because him saying these soldiers would be there, he's talking about in Ukraine, and we've been told all along we're not putting boots on the ground. And then he said the U.S. would respond in kind if Moscow uses chemical weapons. And that means in kind we would launch a chemical weapon attack on Russia. That's what an in kind response would be. Then in his big Warsaw speech, He blurted out that Vladimir Putin can't remain in power. 
And boy, that one sent White House aides scrambling to clarify that no, Biden was not announcing a policy of regime change. He was just saying Putin can't be allowed to invade his neighbors. But then on Monday, Biden said he makes no apologies for his statement and he's not walking back anything. So which is it? (laughs) I can tell you the number one thing is we got a guy at the helm that he just really walks in circles. And I mean, those circles are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. No one is sure what the Biden administration's plan is to try to get this war in Ukraine ended. We don't know what it thinks a stable peace might look like, or even if regime change in Moscow is really off the table as a matter of White House policy. Biden has announced no conditions for the easing of sanctions on Russia. That is the number one point of lunacy in this whole thing. Why would you put a sanction on somebody to get them to stop not telling them what's going to happen if they don't and not telling them what's going to happen if they do. They'd better figure it out. The Ukraine war heralds a new era in geopolitics, one in which rival powers like China are going to press their claims and pursue their ambitions with every tool they have. They're looking at Ukraine, they're looking at Russia, they're looking at the U.S., they're looking at NATO and the European Union, and watching and finding all of the weaknesses in all of those entities we just mentioned. It's not enough anymore to hide behind platitudes of a stronger-than-ever NATO alliance as if that alone encompasses the American national interest. It's supposed to. But with this guy at the top, I don't know. It's not enough to insist, as then-Secretary of State John Kerry did when Russia annexed Crimea back in 2014, that you just don't, in the 21st century, behave in 19th century fashion by invading another country on a completely trumped-up pretext. And as usual, coming from John Kerry, all that was was a, a wish and a hope that it might happen that way. What we need now is that which we have least of, clarity, commitment, resolve. We need clarity about our chief adversary, which is not Russia, it's China. And they're resolved to prioritize containment of China above everything else. Elbridge Colby noted recently in Time Magazine, said a return to global military dominance like the United States enjoyed in the unipolar movement after the collapse of the Soviet Union, that is not feasible now, even with, it doesn't matter how much, increased military spending we have. Yeah, we do need to spend more on defense, he says. What we need above all else is a strategy that prioritizes being able to deny China our greatest challenge by far, the ability to subordinate Taiwan or any other U.S. ally in Asia, while enabling us at the same time to modernize our nuclear deterrent and sustain our pretty effective counterterrorism efforts. If news about the Biden administration's recently completed classified version of the national defense strategy, if that's accurate, then we're in trouble. 
According to foreign policy, the administration delayed rolling out its national security and defense strategies because the Pentagon was making last-minute tweaks in light of the war in Ukraine, suddenly shifting focus from a U.S. defense strategy that had eyes on China. In other words, we weren't prepared for Vladimir Putin to do anything like he's doing. Shifting our focus from China is one thing we should not do. The war in Ukraine underscores the need for a wide-eyed, clear-eyed assessment of what the U.S. can and cannot do overseas and what the national interests really are. We can condemn Moscow's predation on its neighbor and work to ease suffering of the Ukrainian people Same time, we're recognizing that our great security challenges aren't in Eastern Europe, but they're in Asian Pacific. We need not just defense strategy to contain China, but it's got to come with an economic strategy, too. That includes policies aimed at U.S. companies that do business in China, allies that trade with China, and also a wholesale reassessment of global trade and global supply chains between us and China. You would lay down. You'd get sick if I listed every product in your house that comes from China. You would, you would be shocked that more than 75% come from China. What would we do if they just cut us off? Well, if that happens, when it happens... Let's hope we have people in the White House who won't be caught by surprise wondering, what are we going to do? And just then do, as Joe Biden is doing today, make it up as you go along. Just an eye-opening little thought there. Oh, by the way, I just thought after our story last week, I'd let you know that a Pentagon official on Friday, told Congress there are no offensive biological weapons in any of the dozens of U.S. link labs in Ukraine. Hmm. You know, we noted that as being the way, the reason for the way that Vladimir Putin began this invasion of Ukraine. We thought he'd go straight for Kiev, the capital city, take the capital, take over the government. It seems like it'd be a whole lot easier. He didn't do anything like that. He started going through the outskirts of the big cities around the entire nation, and then he concentrated a lot down on the south ends of Ukraine. Couldn't figure that out. Then we find out it was leaked, and the Pentagon denied it at first, and then they came back and said, well, we're in biological laboratories doing research in a bunch of laboratories that are linked together in Ukraine, but not one is an offensive biological weapon laboratory. I can say to you unequivocally, there are no offensive biologic weapons in Ukraine laboratories that the U.S. has been involved with. That came from Deborah Rosenbaum over the weekend, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear, Chemical, and Biological Defense Programs. And she was speaking to the House Armed Services Subcommittee. Now, we do know this. The Pentagon does fund labs in Ukraine through its Defense Threat Reduction Agency. According to a Pentagon fact sheet released last month, you trust those? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. This report they released last month says since 2005, we have invested $200 million in supporting 46 Ukrainian laboratories, health facilities, and diagnostic sites. Moscow, now they've got a different story about it. They've accused Ukraine of conducting an emergency cleanup of a secret Pentagon-funded biological weapons program when Russia invaded. And that's why their pattern of this attempted Ukrainian takeover wasn't targeted at Kiev. It was targeted at the towns and cities where these laboratories that, according to Vladimir Putin, are conducting biological weapon research. I wonder where the truth in all of that lies. It's probably not as it has been portrayed again and again. Can you believe that? Our government not telling us the truth about something? Oh my gosh. Hey guys, we're just getting started. We've got the story that may end up being the story of the century. We're going to dig into it next. What is it? Just buckle in for the ride. Back after this. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti, iced white mocha, triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines uh, planner. Grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti, green tea, cream, frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines Planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky pork. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste, and you're in love. So what are all these big things that we have to talk about today. Well, I won't go into the list. Why don't we just dig right into them? This laptop from hell thing. What are you talking about, Dan? I'm talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. You know what I'm talking about. 
every day, and it's become not just every day, but every hour or two, more information comes out that confirms that mysterious laptop that Hunter Biden left at a computer shop, a repair shop in Delaware, and he literally left it there. The owner, after the time period had lapsed for the uh, owner of that to come back and pick it up by the contract that Hunter signed the repair contract, if he didn't come back, that product, whatever it was, would belong to the shop. As all good computer shop owners, repair owners would do, he said, I got to check out the hard drive, see what's on it, which he did. And when he found all of those things and realized who it was and what was going on, he said, this is a national security kind of thing. And he handed the laptop over to the FBI. And of course, the contents of that laptop, not just what emails were on it, because that's where the this uh, whole conspiracy thing comes out about Hunter. But the emails, the emails are the killers, the revelations. So every day or two, we find out some more about what was on it. And two years ago, folks, New York Post broke a story about it, Miranda Devine, and she wrote a book about it. In all of that time, she claimed everything that is being exposed right now by the Department of Justice and their investigation of Hunter Biden. And of course, now the news media have begun to talk to the the American people about stuff that they had the information on two years ago. So there, or there's just a panacea of horrible things that are going on in this whole thing, but make no mistake about it. This may be the scandal, the U S government scandal of the century. Think about that. This could be the scandal of the century. This morning on Fox News Business, former governor of Arkansas was on with the host and began to talk about this. I want you to listen in. What a situation. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson laid it all out. Joining me yesterday on Sunday Morning Futures on Hunter Biden's overseas business deals and the corruption Uh, from the FBI and the media. Joining me right now is former Arkansas governor, presidential candidate, Mike Huckabee. Uh, Mike, it's good to see you. Thanks very much for being here this morning. Your reaction to what you just heard? The shock is just uh, stunning, but it's not so much the shock of what's on Hunter Biden's laptop and the compromise. The shock is the lack of curiosity on the part of the media. They'd be all over this in a normal time when media people uh, look for winning Pulitzers and trying to do real journalism. They're not doing it. I just can't imagine how they can ignore this story, why they're not asking the question, who is the big guy that Hunter Biden talked about who's getting 10% of the spoils? And if it isn't Joe Biden didn't tell us who it is, but it's pretty obvious who it is. And it's just an amazing thing to me, Maria, that we have one of the biggest scandals in American history. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that with hyperbole. This is one of the greatest scandals uh, potentially in all of American history, going all the way to the White House and our intel agencies. And only a handful of Republican uh, legislators seem to give a rip about it. It's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, influence peddling 
uh, has been going on here while Joe Biden has been in the Senate and certainly vice president, apparently. The Washington Post is out with a new op-ed from the editorial board, and they're calling for a public reckoning over the media's handling of the Hunter Biden laptop story. In it, the board raises this question, Governor. Why is confirmation of a story that first surfaced in the fall of 2020 emerging only now? The board noting that the New York Times, the Washington Post, has only now confirmed the laptop is real years after the New York Post broke the story. Of course, it's something that we've been reporting on this program now for years. And, Governor, it comes after the other massive big lie of Russia collusion with Donald Trump. So, yeah, you say this is the biggest story on American history after the other biggest story where, you know, the Democrats got half of the country to believe that a sitting president was colluding with Russia. And it was all a lie. A lie that resulted in two impeachments, a lie that resulted in millions of dollars of taxpayer money spent needlessly and foolishly, and a lie that ended up dividing the country even more than it was already divided. In the meantime, I just find it amazing that the Washington Post has the audacity to say, how come this story is just coming out? Well, maybe they ought to look in the mirror. The fact is, they buried the doggone story, just like the New York Times, just like every major network in America buried the story. Some of them knew there was something there, but they wouldn't report it because they thought that it might help Donald Trump. They forgot that the real issue was not helping Donald Trump. It's helping America. It's helping our country have an honest government. And they hid it. Twitter banned it. Facebook banned it. YouTube banned it. Who's going to account on those platforms for what they did and how it changed the trajectory of the nation and its elections? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's absolutely incredible. Then you've got policy decisions really creating a bad situation for Americans. Energy prices soaring, gasoline up 38 percent in the month of February compared to the same time uh, in 2021. The national average for a gallon of gas is now uh, $4.18, Governor. You say single adults cannot afford food, medicine and, and gas to get to the doctor. The president's prescription is to go out and buy a $70,000 electric car. I mean, how is it possible that they are missing what's important to the American people as they drive through their climate change agenda? Because not one of them actually gets out of a car, goes over to the pump, puts a credit card in the pump, and squeezes the handle while they're looking at that $4.18. They're being squared yeah. around by government drivers and government cars that are big gas-guzzling cars. And frankly, they don't care. They don't have to. But the single mom trying to yeah. get her kids to daycare and then get to work, the seniors who have to decide whether they can even uh, take their medicine this month because it's taking care of their home homes, heating and cooling, uh, they care. The word that I would ascribe to the uh, White House and to the people in the federal government right now, obtuse. They have no sensitivity, yeah. no awareness of what people are dealing with, none. You think, that, you think the mainstream media is ever going to get their credibility back for missing all of these stories? We haven't even addressed the border, uh, which is about to explode even worse than it's been for the last year. Will, will mainstream media ever get the credibility back? Uh, only if they wear sackcloth and ashes for a hundred years or so, because they've destroyed mm. what 
credibility they may have ever. Uh, is it possible? Yeah. Maybe, but I don't think that they care. I just don't. And it's a tragedy right. because you will well, get story after story when they just don't yeah. seem to have any interest in integrity of journalism. Governor Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, weighed in there with some salient points. And folks, there are so many more things that go along with this, things that have been out there, that many of them have been revealed, but mainstream media didn't pick them up. They were hidden from all of us. Like this, a retired intelligence officer came out over the weekend and says one U.S. spy agency, he didn't name it, asked for his help in fall of 2020 to try to get a hold of a copy of the Hunter Biden laptop contents ahead of the election. He's retired General Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, and his account, what I just told you, was confirmed by three other people who were approached by Schaefer or the agency we're talking about or were involved in the approach. They said the agencies, and that would probably be the DNI or the CIA, one of the two, I'm guessing, but they said the interest of the agency was to analyze the hard drive contents, and they were looking for any evidence or patterns of how foreign adversaries were seeking to compromise these prominent Americans and or their families. Schaefer gave details about the approach during an appearance Friday on a Just the News television show on Real America's Voice. A three-letter agency came to me and said, Hey, we've heard that you have access to a copy of the Hunter Biden hard drive. Could we get a copy? And Schaefer said, Like, do you know what's on there? I mean, we're talking about everything from child porn to, you know, all these issues regarding the president. And they said, we don't care. We want to either confirm or refute it. We want to act factual. We don't have a political dog in the fight. What our concern is that if there's compromising information on that hard drive, this is before an election. The president could be compromised to the level of owing either China or Ukraine something. And this is what these three-letter agencies were concerned about. So another U.S. official directly familiar with this effort confirmed that the intelligence community wanted to know if anything on the hard drive had been hacked, whether the Biden family was compromised, and whether there were any patterns about how foreign adversaries were trying to compromise prominent Americans. The agency backed off of it when it became apparent there were multitudes, versions, multiple, of the hard drive floating around and could not ascertain chain of custody. A lawyer for the family of John Paul Mac Isaac, the Delaware computer repairman who turned that laptop over to the FBI, also confirmed an October 2020 approach from Schaefer, a third party who was approached by Schaefer, also confirmed an effort in the fall of 2020 to get a copy of the laptop for intelligence purposes. All three of them declined to identify the spy agency involved. Schaefer, however, has long ties to the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, which he alleged ran a secret program called Able Danger that had identified lead 9-11 hijacker Mohammed Atta in advance of the attacks. An intelligence community review confirms the existence of the Able Danger program targeting transnational terrorists 
but they found no evidence that Atta had been identified prior to the suicide hijackings. Schaefer said, still working to get a copy of the laptop in late October when he was asked to stand down by an official from the spy agency. Now, why would that happen? Well, you know, political parties have a lot of power in this age that we're living in. And many times they have more power than do officials in our government. I wonder why that is. Follow the money. Follow the money. This is an ever-moving story. And every day, you can book it for a long time. It's going to be kind of like COVID-19. There's going to be news about Hunter Biden's laptop. And as Miranda Devine titled her her book, it's called The Laptop from Hell. (laughs) That's what it is. There's a lot of news, other news, and there's news at the White House. But uh, Miranda Devine, weighed in a little bit about what's going on at the White House. Thought you'd want to hear. There are also reports White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is planning to leave her job for a hosting position on MSNBC. Does this indicate a lack of confidence in the Biden administration? Yeah, look, I mean, she did signal um, some time ago last year that she would not be long in the job, um, to to be fair. But by the same token, she's not the only person leaving. Um, It just seems that the White House um, is really, from what I hear, in utter disarray. They're coming out with um, conflicting messages on serious issues like Ukraine. Um, You know, when Joe Biden went to um, Europe last week and he gave uh, that speech, um, in Warsaw where he um, sort of ad-libbed his last line and said, for God's sake, you know, take, get this man out of power, meaning regime change for Putin in Russia. Um, then the White House came out immediately and said, no, no, he didn't mean to say that. Um, and, you know, Anthony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State, also refuted that. And, you know, they're constantly talking against each other and it's almost uh, like there is a rival court uh, in the White House that um, has Joe Biden Biden's ear, and then there's the rest of the White House and the, the State Department, and they have a different on a different page, and it's an absolute mess. Everything uh, about that place is a mess. You can't get answers out of them, um, and so who can blame Jen Psaki for getting out while the going's good and while there are jobs going? You know, I think there'll be a flood of people leaving the White House, um, especially after the midterms. The rats getting on. Uh, as far away from the ship as they can while the ship is sinking. I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing. Jen Psaki, she's a story in herself. You know, we call her Circleback Psaki because it's especially in the early part of the Biden administration when she was doing a news briefing, when anybody asked her a question, she didn't have the exact answer she needed in that uh, uh, notebook she takes in and lays on the podium every briefing. She would tell them, I'll have to circle back with that answer for you. And I mean, she'd do it four or five times in every press briefing every day. It became comical, but uh, it was interesting to watch a um, member before the media, a member of the Biden administration, uh, tread water. In other words, I don't know, but I'm, I, I, I don't know what to say. So uh, 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 I'm not going to say anything, but I'll tell him I'll go get the answer and circle back. 
Jen Psaki, circle back. Looks like we're going to see her on MSNBC for anybody that watches MSNBC. Every once in a while, I'll turn it over there and I get nauseated. Literally, I'll get nauseated just watching and listening to them. Well, we've got a lot to talk about the R word today. We don't do that typically here at TNN Live. Racist, racism. That's the R way. But it's getting ramped up incredibly more and more powerful in every part of the decision-making of everybody in the United States, even in families. Everything seems to be, for an explanation, it seems to be surrounded by racism. We're going to wait into that right after this. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun, and you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Hi guys, this is the Chevy Silverado with the world's first invisible trailer. Invisible trailer? And it's not the trailer right next to us? This guy? You don't believe me? Hop in. Good looking pickup, I will say that. Oh, wow. Silverado offers an optional technology package with up to 15 different views, including one enhanced view that makes your trailer appear invisible. Wow. That's pretty That's sweet. That's cool. Oh. That's awesome. Where's the trailer though? <laughs> I love it. It's magic. <laughs> You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. As politics grow ever more chaotic, remember this truth. When you're taking heavy flack, it usually means you're over the target. Open the Bombay doors. Truthnewsnet.org. Your pilot on this mission, Dan Newman. Well, I, I can't figure out if opening the Bombay doors would be good for me, that I'm the one that's opening the doors, or maybe I'm the one standing on the ground that's about to be the recipient of the bombs, but there are many, many, many of those floating around every day. You know, we were just talking about MSNBC. Do you know their show there? And I really don't, I don't know why they title their shows because we all, we all tie the titles of their show to the show host, but they want to give them all a name. Anyway, the cross connection. I don't know about the cross connection, but it's hosted by Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Now, on her show, she tried to explain to the world the Will Smith slap at the Oscars. Yeah, Chris Rock blasted Will Smith's wife. He kind of did it in a left-handed way. Will Smith gets up and goes and slaps Chris Rock very hard, turns around and walks away. Well, on this show, The Cross Connection, they attempted to explain why white people 
don't understand what happened. I'm serious, folks. The Grio, it's a news, I guess a news blog or uh, a news online agency. Columnist there, Michael Harriet. He said it was, quote, hard to explain to a white person what's the difference between an open-handed slap and a punch. And he said about white people, they consider it all violent. So the show host, Cross, said there was a nuance to what happened. And she explained by pointing it out, it likened to a guest commenting on an incident inside somebody else's home. And here's the example she gave. I'll try to put this in context for our white fellow countrymen as best I can. And really, truly, black America. There's commonality amongst us all. And if we went to a white person's home and it was their family dinner and we were sitting at the table and the mother hauled off and slapped the father, everybody at the table has an opinion. You know, the sister's like, Mom, you always do this. And the brother is like, I can't believe you're doing this. And dad is like, you're terrible. If I weigh in as the guest in this home and I say, yeah, you guys are terrible, everybody's like, I'm sorry, when did you get an opinion? This is our family table. That's what this moment felt like for many of us, she said. And there's a nuance to what happened that we should get into. And that nuance that she was kind of throwing a little shade about there is racism and the differences between black and white, and it all boils down to this. If you're non-colored, in other words, Asian, Hispanic, African American, if you're not one of those, and you look at anybody in the other side, in other words, anybody that's non-white, you don't have the ability to draw an opinion about anything that happens in the lives of those of color. And the reason you can't possibly do it is because you can't possibly understand it. Why not? It doesn't matter that you're a human. And even if you're an intellectual human, somebody that has spent maybe 15 years learning about all kinds of social and mental and emotional transactions between people, why and all of those and what are they based on, doesn't matter if you know all of that. You're disqualified for one reason and one reason only. You're white. That's not a racist thing. And do you know, flip the tables. If this was a white host that had two white guests on the show and they were talking about if, let's say, Will Smith and Chris Rock were both white, the show host, and the person sitting in the audience. And it had happened, and one of them, one of the the non-white people, African-American, if they said anything, if they gave their opinions of any part of what happened, two white people, one being the slapper, the other being the slappy, and they talk about why, and they would do it. But that would be okay. But the other way, it doesn't work. In other words, you don't have the right, if you're non-black, you don't have the right to have an opinion about anything to do with an African-American person. They made a show out of this, folks. 
they made a show out of this. And let's just keep going. It gets a little worse. It gets a little worse. This debacle that showed up in the confirmation hearings regarding a replacement at the U.S. Supreme Court has brought up the the problem with coming up with an answer, what is a woman? We can't define it anymore. A handful of Biden administration federal agencies, they're unable to define the meaning of the word woman. In some cases, even in relation to their own uses of terms, like women's health. I mean, this has just blown up the world the way we do and operate on anything related to sex-specific things, especially health care. The DOJ, Biden's DOJ, the Department of Education, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the Federal Bureaus of Prisons, they were all contacted and asked about this. How do you and your operations define woman? None of the agencies provided a definition or any criteria for anybody to be categorized as a woman, despite each of these departments boasting entire initiatives aimed at helping women. National Institutes of Health, they were asked the definition of woman in relation to terms like women's rights and women's health care. NIH describes itself as, quote, the steward of medical and behavioral research for the nation and its purpose as seeking fundamental knowledge about the nature and the behavior of living systems. When asked for the definition, the NIH directed Fox News Digital to its website section on sex and gender. So here's what it says. Sex refers to biological differences between females and males that include chromosomes, sex organs, and endogenous hormonal profiles. That's on the NIH website. Gender refers to socially constructed and enacted roles and behaviors which occur in a historical and cultural context and vary across societies and over time. All individuals act in many ways that fulfill the gender expectations of their society. With continuous interaction between sex and gender, health is determined by biology and the expression of gender. However, the literature provided by the NIH did not address the meaning of woman or women in relation to sex and gender. Despite using the word frequently in their writing, no explanation is given on whether the word women as used by the National Institutes of Health is descriptive of sex or gender. And so they were asked for clarification. Glad the page was somewhat useful, they replied, but continued, we don't have anything else to add. The Department of Health and Human Services, DHS, they were reached out to for comment on the issue. After two days, multiple replies stating that the inquiry would be addressed, they failed to provide an answer. The HHS documents describe what it calls appropriate treatments for transgender adolescents, including top surgery to create male-type chest shape or enhanced breast and bottom surgery 
surgery on genitals or reproductive organs, facial feminization, or other procedures. Now, this comes after they released a document Thursday titled Gender Affirming Care and Young People. The same day, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services, another subset of the HHS, released a parallel document titled Gender Affirming Care is Trauma-Informed Care. So the RAND Corporation, which is a think tank, almost entirely funded by you and me, the taxpayers, And it's supposed to be for the purposes of consultation on military policy. They also stated that they did not have a definition for the word woman, despite extensive research into women's rights, health, and fitness. You are correct in that Rand has done a number of studies related to gender and women specifically, but our reports are mostly focused on the impacts to women of various policies or circumstances. This is a spokesperson for Rand. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. It just says a spokesperson. I don't believe your question is one that we have ever explicitly researched, that I don't have anyone who can speak to it. Sorry, we can't be more help. And it goes on and on and on and on. And here we are, folks. It's no longer just about race. They've now made it a fight over biological or perceptual sexual identity it all goes back to that thing if you call a pig every day you call him a dog eventually the dog really the pig is going to start barking that's just the way it goes folks and it doesn't stop there a health official in new york city getting a bunch of criticism due to her controversial social media post about women and motherhood. Have you heard about this one? Dr. Michelle Mars is her name. She's the chief medical officer for the city's Department of Health. She was highlighting the area's birth equity initiative. Birth equity initiative. This is a good one. The urgency of this moment is clear. She wrote on March 23rd. Mortality rates of birthing people are too high. Babies born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in this city are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people. She continued in one more post, expanding access to doulas and the quality care they provide can save lives and will make a difference for hundreds of New York City families. Multiple social media users took the opportunity to share their disagreement. Stop changing our words. We are all mothers, no matter what color our skin is. We are not breeders. We're not birthing people or anything else. We are moms, all of us. Another person, none of these terms were taught to you in a medical school. You know why? because they're contrived. They bear no relationship with biology. In a February 2021 press release, the New York Health website said Morse joined the department and was the agency's first chief medical officer. Here's what they they put in this definition of Dr. Morse. She's an internal medicine hospitalist, co-founder of Equal Health, and assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. Equal Health 
is a nonprofit organization that builds critical consciousness and collective action globally, all in the pursuit of health equity for all. In 2018, Dr. Morris was awarded a Soros Equality Fellowship, working with colleagues to launch Equal Health's global campaign against racism. In September of 2019, she began a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Health Policy Fellowship in Washington and worked with the U.S. House of Representatives Ways and Means Committee, majority staff on health equity priorities. Biden's administration in their fiscal year budget request introduced the term birthing people to effectively replace mothers. Usage of the phrase birthing people instead of the traditional mothers drew a wave of criticism. According to the recent Fox poll, a DOH spokesperson called Morse's post an oversight and added, we apologize for inadvertently gendering black and Puerto Rican birthing people. (laughs) Uh, Just when you think it can't possibly get worse, guess what? It gets worse. It gets more ridiculous. It's like they, they, somewhere, somebody just makes a phone call, conference phone call, Zoom, or whatever you want to call it, and everybody in the media, they get on it and they discuss, hey, what do you think about this? Well, you know, we can't call them men and women. Because, you know, we don't want to offend anybody that is uh, uh, arriving or transitioning in their thought process and thinking about doing biological changes, you know, jumping across the aisle and becoming something else. We don't, we don't want to offend anybody. So what we've got to do is just make everything benign and neutral, not really making a determination or sharing a determination that's positive about anything to do with race, with health care, with skin color, with nation of origin, ethnicity, any of those kind of things. You got to find a way to just leave it alone and use pronouns that are not descriptive of sex or skin color. You know how difficult it is to live integrating with people of all of those segments that they're pointing out. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say and what not to say to anybody. You don't know what to do when you look at. When you interact with them, you're thrown into a situation where you're going to interact with some of those people. And you don't want to offend anybody. And of course, if you miss the pronoun thing, If you miss the racial thing, it all points to one thing. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. And, of course, we can even go further down that road. You're a xenophobe. You're an Islamophobic. You don't like Muslim people. On and on and on and on. It can't be. It can't be ever that you disagree with someone's opinion. You don't have the right to do that. They control that. So where's President Biden in all of this? You haven't heard from him today. Well, he did sneak out over the weekend, and he had a little wisdom to offer us all. Good afternoon. Today I'd like to update uh, you all on where we stand on COVID-19. 
Cases are ticking up as we thought they might. And, you know, as we've done from day one, my administration is making it easier than ever for Americans to access these tools. Today, I'm announcing the launch of COVID.gov. And let me remind you, when I took office about 14 months ago, the pandemic was raging, the economy was reeling, and the deficit was soaring. And then we got to work and we delivered. Look, on vaccines and most important tool in this fight, we're also running a risk. Yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, authorized the fourth shot for those 50 years and older. We know boosters are critical to providing an additional level of protection. That's why I plan to get my second booster today, uh, right here after I'm done speaking. If you haven't gotten your first booster, please don't wait. Do it today. Congress, we need to secure additional supply now. Now. Try it like this. Right now. <laughs> right now. They're really showing themselves to do really well. Come on, man. Oh my gosh, folks. If you don't chuckle every now and then, you'll 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 stay sick all the time. It's it just it's it just never stops. It it's continuous. It's one thing after another without any plausible answer for any of it. We've got a nominee up, Katanji Brown Jackson, to fill an empty spot. Well, it's not empty yet. It will be in a few months on the U.S. Supreme Court. And you heard she's the one that came out with the woman, defining a, a woman, what a woman is. She couldn't do it or she refused to do it. Well, she has refused to answer another question. She refused to comment on her beliefs on natural rights, natural rights for every American, in a post-hearing written question and a question and answer from members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Ede Whelan, he tweeted this, Judge Katinji Brown-Jackson testifies, I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Interesting. Please explain in your own words the theory prevalent among members of the Founding Fathers generation that humans possess natural rights that are inherent are inalienable. Well, she recognized that natural rights are embedded into our country's founding in her documents of response. She said this, the theory that humans possess inherent or inalienable rights is shown in the Declaration of Independence, which states, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, Ted Cruz asked Jackson, do you hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights, yes or no? Quote, I do not hold the position on whether individuals possess natural rights, Jackson said. Senator Cruz called her response stunning in a tweet that he sent out Saturday evening. This is stunning. The Declaration of Independence proclaims, 
We hold these truths to be self-evident, yada, yada, yada. KBJ, that's what they call her, says she has no position on whether this is true. Other social media folks called Jackson's inability or her reluctance to answer the natural rights question. They called it disqualifying or a Trojan horse for tyranny. This should be automatically disqualifying, one tweeter said. If Judge Jackson doesn't recognize the natural rights given to us by our creator, the literal bedrock of American values, she absolutely cannot be confirmed to the Supreme Court, one user wrote. This woman is a massive threat to basic human liberty. She's a chosen horse for tyranny. The Constitution and the original Bill of Rights is based solely upon natural rights, therefore unalienable, another user tweeted. Katanji disqualifies herself with her answer. If we don't possess natural rights, then the self-evident truths of the Declaration are simply false, and Katanji Brown-Jackson and her colleagues become mere dispensers of disjustice. They believe our rights come from man. Simple as that. That was from Benjamin Whitegarden. Everybody, a bunch of people were weighing in on it, and pretty much the same thing holds true. Look, folks, we can get on this train, and if we stay on this train, eventually we're going to get to where you can't speak to anybody, you can't look at anybody, you have to exist and operate your life in a vacuum without any kind of meaningful interactions with anyway, anybody. You're not eligible, you're not qualified, you have the wrong skin color, you're not worthy, or they haven't brought you into their clique, so you're therefore unworthy, and the list just goes on and on and on. Bottom line is, if you disagree with them, you're going to be labeled any one or any multitude of these things and more that we have been talking about in our show today, and it gets more and more difficult to actually determine if And if so, which one of these groups do you belong in? Because you may be good enough for this one, uh, but you're not good enough for this one. Uh, You don't fit in on this one. Well, I don't think, I don't want you to be in that one. I just don't like the way um, you comb your hair. I mean, it doesn't take anything really, really big and specific. Why is that? It should. First of all, we should never disqualify anybody from any interactions with us just because we want to stick a label on them. We don't have the right to do that, and we have no authority to do that. But the most egregious part of this is life is all about finding commonalities with the people who, with, who we interact with, but also recognize that we have a lot of differences Having differences is not evil. Weaponizing our differences to try to get one up on the person we're talking to or the person we're referencing, that's what's evil, folks. We just can't live in that world. There is no way we can peacefully, happily, and productively live in a world where we have no idea who we are based upon our Our thoughts, our ambitions, it's totally based on things that we have no control over. Things like skin color, even hair, 
hair or no hair. That's just the way it rolls, folks. We have no say-so in it at all. Standing tall, looking the lies in the eye, and speaking the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, guess what, folks? Former President Barack Obama, you know, he's not been back to the White House at all since he moved away from the White House at the end of his second term as president. Hadn't been back to the White House. I didn't realize that. But he's going back tomorrow. He is going back, and what he's doing, he's joining Joe Biden, and they're going to celebrate the Affordable Care Act. It seems impossible, but it has been, um, I guess, a long time. I would think we would consider it 12 years ago. Barack Obama signed the Affordable Care Act into existence, called Obamacare, as a matter of fact. They're going to celebrate. Um, I'm wondering through this entire limbo period. I wonder how much contact Joe has with Barack Obama. If you if you watch closely, if you pay attention, you you know there is no question that Joe Biden is not developing all the ideas and the policies that he is espousing, the things he rolls out every few days. There's somebody that is feeding that information, those documents, those policies to him. Conventional wisdom is it may come through uh, some kind of channel, and the channel would be most likely Susan Rice. She is in, I think it's an unofficial position in the Biden administration, but she is very, very, very close to the Obamas, and she spends a lot of time with them. And obviously, she speaks to Joe Biden. Maybe she's the conduit, but the informer, the ones that are creating this, if Susan Rice is the one, it would be Barack Obama or maybe a combination, Barack Obama and somebody else, two or three others. We don't know. But this president is rolling things out in a very rapid pace. You look back at how long he's been in office. He wasn't inaugurated until January, January 20th, just a little over a year ago, February 20th, March 20th. So it's 14 months and four days today. Look at 
What's in the rearview mirror that Joe Biden has done to this nation? Look at what's happened on his watch. I mean, it, it, it's just not a good situation. He's not provided any positive things that most Americans can see or relate to. Well, he doesn't think that. The president came out over the weekend and he told us just how rosy everything is. Good afternoon. Today I'd like to update uh, you all on where we stand on COVID-19. Cases are ticking up as we thought they might. And, you know, as we've done from day one, my administration is making it easier than ever for Americans to access these tools. Today, I'm announcing the launch of COVID.gov. And let me remind you, when I took office about 14 months ago, the pandemic was raging, the economy was reeling, and the deficit was soaring. And then we got to work and we delivered. Look, on vaccines and most important tool in this fight, we're also running a risk. Yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, authorized the fourth shot for those 50 years and older. We know boosters are critical to providing an additional level of protection. That's why I plan to get my second booster today, uh, right here after I'm done speaking. If you haven't gotten your first booster, please don't wait. Do it today. Congress, we need to secure additional supply now. Now. Try it like this. Right now. (laughs) Right now. They're really showing themselves to do really well. You heard Come that on, earlier. Man. You heard that earlier in the show. It just illustrates what we're talking about right now even better. He doesn't have anything to tie his hat to. He really doesn't. I guess the big thing that he thinks makes him successful and makes his presidency successful, at least so far, are the fact of all the jobs that have he calls them been created, but they're in large part not new jobs. There are no jobs that are being created. They're the old jobs that all of the unemployed Americans went back to. They were unemployed because of the lockdowns that happened during COVID-19. And even though Joe Biden never caused a lockdown, he made it very, very clear, you need to do this. And he, when asked if this is something that he was going to institute, he would always deflect and say, This is a policy that has to be handled by the governors around our 50 states or even local authorities. I'm just going to leave it to there. But we need to think about them very seriously because if you don't, you're going to die. COVID-19 is going to kill us all. And it's not just about you dying. If you get COVID-19, you're going to spew your, what do they call them, the particles that come out of your, not your snot, but the, Whatever is going to come out of when you sneeze and you're going to get other people around you infected. They scared us to death throughout the entire pandemic, and they're still trying to do it. You heard what he's saying? He wants more money for Congress. We've got to buy more vaccines. We've got to be vigilant and get more out there. I'm taking my second dose. The FDA has they have okayed a fourth shot for people older than 60. Think about that. Think about that. The insanity 
we're hearing that we need a four shot if you're 60 years or older. If the vaccine works, why would we need even a second shot, let alone the third and the fourth shot? What's the justification? What's the reasoning for it? I can tell you this, I don't think there's any reasoning for it. I think it's just to create something that, let me see what could happen in that scenario. Uh, Where do these vaccines come from? Well, they come from Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. Well, are the consumers paying a lot of money for these vaccines? Well, the consumers haven't paid for any vaccines. Well, who's paying for them? Um, The United States government. Well, who's negotiated these deals with the government? Um, The pharmacy companies. They've told the government what the deal is. And the Biden administration has signed in hook, sign, and linker. Hook, line, and sinker. Hook, sign, and I can't believe I said hook, line, and sinker. And so what happens then? Taxpayers, they we watch as our government borrows a bunch more money and they write checks to Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson for the purchase of all these vaccines. Well, where's all that money go? Well, who owns those companies? Follow the money. If you ever question anything about any politician, reasoning, I don't understand why would they say this? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they do this? Follow the money. Ask some questions. Look into these things. If they're important to you, they're important. Find answers, but it makes it easier every time if you follow the money. Sadly, in our lives today, and for that matter, in our lives pretty much every day, uh, much of what we do and why we do it is because of money either because we have money or we don't have money and we make our decisions, all of them pretty much, based on those parameters. Isn't that crazy that we do that? Well, the January 6th committee has started flexing its muscles a little bit. And um, some information slipped out over the weekend. This is interesting, folks. You heard, I don't I don't know if you read it or saw it. We actually covered it last week. The January 6th committee is trying hard to get a commitment out of Attorney General Merrick Garland that he is going to prosecute if this committee finds anything that would be sufficient to initiate an inquiry into former President Trump about his involvement in wrongdoing over the January 6th insurrection. They're pushing the attorney general then. The attorney general said, um, we're, we're neutral on this. We're not going to let the emotion ramp up and get us to start igniting prosecution of this president. He's already been, folks, he's already been prosecuted twice, really. Actually, three times. Russiagate and then two impeachments. Biden has been telling people, apparently, though, within his inner circle, that he feels former President Trump was a threat to democracy and that he should be prosecuted. That's according to a new report that came out 
in a New York Times story. The leak of this was revealed in a New York Times article. The article focuses on the pressure from frustrated Democrats that is mounting on Attorney General Garland and the DOJ to take action against Trump and his supporters for their alleged involvement in the now infamous January 6th events at the Capitol. The article cites Garland's deliberative approach to the ever-widening investigation into the riot and claims that President Trump wants Garland, excuse me, President Biden wants Garland to be more decisive in this thing. As recently as late last year, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he thinks former President Trump was a threat to democracy, should be prosecuted, according to two people that are familiar with his comments. This is from the New York Times story. And while the president has never communicated any of his frustrations directly to Mr. Garland, he said privately that he wanted Garland to act less like a ponderous judge and more like a prosecutor who is willing to take decisive action over the events of January 6th. While this January 6th House Committee tasked with investigating the events of that day continues to claim it has reason to believe Trump and those working with him broke multiple laws in their efforts to overturn the 2020 election. This is in the Washington Examiner. They said the charges Trump might actually be prosecuted for are more than a year later are still unclear. Now, according to one recent court filing for Trump tied John Eastman, January 6th committee claims it has evidence that shows what amounts to a conspiracy between Eastman, Trump, and others that would have corrupted the Department of Justice, overturned already certified election results, obtained false election certificates, and defrauded the American people. But whether you believe the committee's so-called evidence or not, it's a fact, folks. The committee can only make a criminal referral, leaving the decision solely to act to the Justice Department or whether not to act. President Biden has made his desire for the DOJ to prosecute anyone who defied a subpoena from January 6th committee investigators. He made that publicly known. When asked by reporters in October if he thinks resistors should be prosecuted, he responded, I do, yes. I hope that the committee goes after them and holds them accountable criminally. Wouldn't it be interesting when people in government or even private citizens that violate federal laws would be prosecuted, held liable by the Department of Justice, this one or the previous one? What are you talking about, Dan? James Comey lied multiple times under oath before Congress. That's a felony. Never been touched. Never been prosecuted. FBI agents lied under oath. Felony. Never been prosecuted. Never even been charged with anything. But over 700 people, a massive number of which, went to Washington, D.C. that day peacefully. 700 people were arrested 
700, many of them incarcerated, incarcerated with no thoughts of the rule of law, a speedy trial. The first trial for three of them happened. Now remember, this is from January 6th, more than a year ago. The first actual trial for three of these so-called so-called insurrectionists happened two weeks ago. Does that sound like a speedy trial? I mean, you've been here. You heard us talk to Mark Grennan. Mark Grennan, a former United States pastor and a missionary, medical missionary for decades in places all around the world, very effective. Our DOJ, at the behest of Dr. Anthony Fauci, they arrested him, two of his sons in Miami, put those sons in federal jurisdiction jail down in Miami. Mark Grennan and one of his other sons were in medical missionary work in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia. Our federal government got the Colombian government to arrest them, throw them in prison in Colombia. This all happened two years ago. All of them are still in prison. They've never stood in front of a judge, never formally been charged, no trial. They refuse to extradite Mark Grennan from the, the um, Colombian. I just went blank for a second. I get all the Central American countries messed up. But from Colombia, they refuse to extradite him back to the U.S. to hold a trial. They don't want to have a trial. Mark Grennan's attorney has filed for a jury trial. They certainly don't want a jury trial. Why is that? The facts came out. The facts are Mark Grennan and his family and his fellow missionaries for decades have been treating diseases, primarily respiratory diseases, with what's called chlorine dioxide. Look it up. And it works very effectively. In fact, during the pandemic, the whole nation of Bolivia, the government licensed it. They brought it into the country gladly. They made it part of the priority for treating COVID-19. And their numbers, their percentages of infections, uh, hospitalizations and deaths percentages were way below ours. Why? They, they say that it's absolutely because of chlorine dioxide that the Bolivian people were using. Fauci, this guy's in prison, his three sons in prison. They can't get a trial. Two of them can't get extradited so they could have a trial. Why is that? Because of this administration and the medical bureaucracy, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Interesting, huh? Now, what about what Garland says? Because you know he's been asked publicly a bunch. Well, he says he's not going to be pushed into a decision on whether to investigate Trump and his associates related to the January 6th doings. With Democrats investigating January 6th demanding the DOJ file charges, Garland has assured reporters he's not taking outside demands into account. The only pressure I feel, he said, and the only pressure that our line prosecutors feel is to do the right thing. 
That was in a DOJ press conference Friday. That means we followed the facts, we followed the law, wherever they may lead. A.G. Garland, do your job so we can do ours. That was Representative Elaine Luria, Democrat from Virginia. And then there's Schiff, Adam Schiff. We are upholding our responsibility. The DOJ must do the same. More than 700 people have been charged with federal crimes related to the Capitol riot. Five people died during and after the aftermath of that riot. Scores of Capitol Police officers were injured. Though the the DOJ, primarily the FBI, have gone after everybody. There hasn't been but that we can find two arrests for any serious activity. Most of the arrests are for unlawfully occupying a federal uh, property or whatever. Those are for the ones that actually went into the Capitol. That's what most of the charges are about. Three of them, three of them have been tried. Does that sound like a witch hunt to you? It certainly does to me. Well, as we told you, I think it was Thursday, Hillary Clinton is back in the news. And every time she raises her little head, a lot of Democrats are going, oh my gosh, is she coming back? Why why doesn't she just go sit down (laughs) and just let us live our lives? Well, she's back and she's back in real, real loud measure. Hillary is our topic when we come back. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. (laughs) We've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer.
So what's Hillary Clinton and her campaign and the DNC? What are they doing right now? Well, the lead investigator for the House Intelligence Committee's 2018 probe, 2018 folks, can you believe we're talking about Hillary and nothing's come out of this anyway? That 2018 probe was checking um, the Clinton campaign and their alleged wrongdoing. It was an investigation of alleged Trump-Russia collusion. Cash Patel said that the fact the Hillary Clinton campaign is paying a penalty to the Federal Election Commission is an admittance of guilt. Guilt of what? Well, they're the Clinton campaign and the DNC. They are doing so to bury the narrative and prevent more media coverage of their illegal activities. I think the public sees what that is, said Cash Patel. It's their way of burying the narrative because if they contested what happens, more media coverage, more people start looking into these things. What are they talking about? The Russia collusion, the Steele dossier. The Clinton campaign and the DNC paid for it all. They paid for it. And now they've been fined by the Federal Elections Committee. Cash said, so the Hillary Clinton campaign is not contesting it. They're paying the fine. It's basically admitting that they did this and they're out is, quote, we just don't want a protracted legal deal as if the Hillary Clinton campaign and DNC ever shied away from taking something or someone to court. So just to refresh your memory, Clinton and her campaign and the DNC agreed to pay a combined $113,000 to the FEC. Now that's documented. Documents were made public March 30th after the commission found probable cause that the Clinton Foundation, Clinton campaign, and of course the DNC violated federal law by describing payments that ultimately went to the Fusion GPS research group as going toward legal services and consulting. It shows him how wrong they were to violate the law and spend political campaign dollars on a hit job, on opposition research pieces for then-candidate Trump, all of which, to remind the audience, was then used intentionally by the FBI, even though they knew it was false to go to a federal secret court and surveil a presidential candidate and later a president of the United States. The FEC is responsible for overseeing federal elections, including the presidential election. They found that the Hillary Clinton campaign broke their rules, the Federal Election Commission rules, about how donations can be used. What we knew when we ran the Russiagate investigation Chairman Nunes and I, we exposed that the Hillary Clinton campaign paid for the Steele dossier, an opposition research hit job. We had proven that some years ago, Patel said. What the Coolidge-Reagan Foundation did, based on our investigation, was, wait a second, FEC, you as a political campaign cannot spend political dollars launching opposition research, false or otherwise, said Patel. Dan Backer, who is a lawyer, lodged the complaint with the election commission against the Clinton campaign and the DNC. 
It's the first time Clinton has actually been held accountable for misconduct, calling the fines a great step for accountability. So they find them. That's the FEC's job. And the Hillary Clinton campaign could have said, we disagree with what you found. We're going to court. What did Hillary do? They agreed to the finding of probable cause by the FEC, which means they're basically agreeing that it happened. Like we've always said, follow the money. Patel said while the FEC fine is an important step toward holding the Clinton campaign and other key players involved accountable, the true victory, he hopes, will be indictments made by U.S. counsel John Durham. Durham, as you know, he's launched all the way back in October of 2020 into the involvement of the Clinton campaign and others in the Russiagate thing that happened that just blasted our government. I mean, the Trump administration for three years had to deal with that every day. And every day, more and more came out that said, it ain't it ain't true. It didn't happen. But they didn't even take that. They just kept digging and digging and digging and digging. And all those people violated federal laws. They lied under oath. Uh, they hid information. They wouldn't pre- present documents. All of that's just been washed under the rug. Nobody wants to talk about that. And so when I say nobody wants to talk about that, yesterday on a pretty uh, significant uh, Sunday morning show, former Democrat Party nominee Clinton, she would not talk about it as she was on MSNBC's show with Chuck Todd. And the reason she didn't talk about it was Chuck wouldn't ask her about it. Think about that. The Clinton campaign provided the dossier to the FBI, leaked it to Democrats in the media. And so Chuck Todd interviewed Clinton on Meet the Press, asked her about foreign policy and domestic policies. At one point, Clinton even said the Republican Party has now gone to the, you know, to the extreme and are saying and doing things that have no basis in reality. Despite her own role in funding and perpetuating the Russia collusion hoax, Chuck Todd, and just also, by the way, the FEC popped her and the campaign last week. Chuck Todd didn't even bring it up. Wonder why that is. (laughs) Wonder why that is. I think we know. I think you know for sure. So what else is going on? Well, folks, there is a lot going on, and uh, we want to get into pretty much all of that stuff. Um, This illegal stuff that's happening at our southern border, it's just gone over the top. And it's happening every day and every night. Illegals from more than 160 countries are still, still flooding across our border. No question, some are turned back, but most of them are not. And every American is asking the question. I'm sure each of you listening, you at one time or another this week, this day, have asked this question. Why? Why is this happening? The Biden administration has allowed a more than 11-fold increase in the number of illegal offenders let out of Texas prisons and into the general population. Despite federal immigration law requiring ICE to take convicts into custody after they serve their time, 
usually in advance of their deportation. This news coming out, it comes from a state-initiated litigation that's beginning to shed light on what critics call this administration, its secretive and its lenient handling of immigrants that started last year. Uh, when did it start last year? Uh, about January 21st. Treatment that is actually imperiling public safety, alarmed state authorities say, and all kinds of physical criminal acts. Soon after Biden assumed office, agents of the ICE and the Customs and Border Patrol began dropping their usually automatic request to take custody from Texas authorities of these immigrant convicts that are set to be released from the state's prison and jails so they could be deported. In the past, the way it works is few such convicts got out of that process. From 2017 to 2020, ICE declined to take into custody from Texas no more than a dozen in total such so-called detainers a year. Typically those in poor health or with unresolved immigration issues. But from January 2021, when Biden took office, through February of this year, Texas law enforcement testified in federal court last month. ICE declined to take custody of 170, a number Texas persuaded ICE to winnow down to 141, but still an exponential increase over the year of the Trump administration, all four of them. That increase shows the impact in just one state of this new nationwide policy. My state, our attorney general here, Jeff Landry, our state joined Texas in suing the Department of Homeland Security and other federal immigration agencies over this. Landry said testimony in the case being heard in district court in Houston makes clear the Biden administration does not want the public to see how similar releases unfolded nationally in Joe Biden's first year. I'm appalled the Biden administration has adopted a policy of releasing alien drug cartel members, human traffickers, child sex abusers onto American streets, A.G. Landry said. Arizona, Ohio, and Montana, they filed a similar lawsuit in Ohio. Last week, the judge in that case, U.S. District Judge Michael Newman, no relation to me, he was appointed by President Trump, issued a preliminary injunction favoring the three states. Can the executive displace clear congressional command in the name of resource allocation and enforcement goals? Here, the answer is no. What he's talking about is federal law, folks. Federal law says the Biden administration cannot do and cannot allow what's being done by others regarding illegal immigration. They are bound by law. We have a three, not tiered, but three co-equal branches of government, and they, one, can't supersede the others, and they certainly, nobody in them, has the right and the ability to circumvent what the Constitution says. The Constitution says the federal government is totally responsible for immigration. They must abide by the laws that are duly passed by the Congress and signed into law by whatever president is at the time serving in the White House. 
the Biden administration thumbs their nose across the board at federal law and are suborning, you've heard the term suborning perjury, they are suborning felony criminal acts in the tens of thousands. And it's happening on Joe Biden's watch. That in itself is way, way, way sufficient to initiate an impeachment case against Joe Biden. Of course, the problem is impeachment cases have to be generated, created in the House of Representatives, controlled by Nancy Pelosi. You don't think in this structure, in this Congress, they're ever going to start impeachment proceedings against this president. It isn't going to happen. Why isn't it going to happen? They want it to happen. They want it to keep going. What's going to happen down there? Folks, it's anybody's guess, and I don't have an answer. I don't have uh, a crystal ball. I just can't get my arms around it, folks. I don't think you can. I don't think anybody else can. But one thing we know for sure, this president, this president is ignoring the rule of law, many of which, folks, Joe Biden was part of crafting. Can you believe that? He was in the United Senate for 40 years. He was in the spot and he voted. He helped write some, but he voted for these immigration laws that are in practice now. They've been in practice for years. And because of political purposes, he's not supporting it at all. They want to pack the nation with illegals. Then they want to make them legal voters. Then they want to force them, really, ask them, talk to them, get them to vote Democrat, and they want it to happen quickly so that they, before Joe Biden leaves office in 2024, if he makes it that long, before they change the rules, change the rules and get illegals citizenship in the United States and get that right to vote. Moving on yesterday, Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, he weighed in on multiple major media outlets confirming the authenticity of the Hunter Biden laptop and emails that are revealing his business dealings. He was on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo yesterday And he said that the omission from the New York Times and the Washington Post both prove how complicit the media have been in their effort to cover up Hunter Biden's laptop leading up to the 2020 presidential election. I think really what the New York Times and the Washington Post articles prove is how complicit they have been and continue to be in their cover-up. And you know, quite honestly, Congressman uh, Johnson said, Senator, I'm sorry. Um, Quite honestly, they're not impartial. They're advocates for the Democrat Party of the radical left. You know, the Washington Post learned a lot of lessons from their coverage of Nixon. When you get caught in a cover-up, and that's what's happened, the media is being caught in a cover-up. They're being caught with their lies. This is serious business, Johnson said. This is unbelievable corruption at the highest levels of government and within our media. We are all being snookered by them. This has been a, from my standpoint, a massive diversionary operation 
to try and take the American public's attention away if their wrongdoing, their lies, their cover-ups. They covered it up. And as a result, they got Joe Biden elected. Now they continue to cover up for him. But this is troubling. Now we have an actual bank records that verify what we reported. The laptop is obviously a treasure trove of additional corroborated evidence as well. Where do you fall in on all this? Where do you fall in? As one after another of these travesties are happening in our government, and it's filtering down, folks, what about the Disney debacle? You've heard about it. I mean, the Disney organization from top to bottom has just gone stark raving crazy about all kinds of sexual identity situations They're against that law that was signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis regarding the ability and the right for schools to teach sexual things to kids in the fourth grade and down. They've just gone stark raving crazy. And they have been pushing back. Disney has. Now, we are told this is not coming from people at Disney World in Orlando. It's coming from California where... Disney is still headquartered. And it's a lot of activists there that are pushing these polities. So I wondered, and I looked at it over the weekend to see how people in mass are responding. A flood of families are canceling their Disney memberships from their amusement parks to Disney streaming. And it's all because of the woke entertainment company's leftist LGBTQIA plus agenda with one parent saying, Walt would turn over in his grave if he saw what Disney has become. A lot of these folks are loyal Disney consumers, and they're saying the company's got out of control. They're a woke company, but they're losing the people, and it's it's going through the entire corporation. Last year, Disney banned gender from its park greetings, replacing Good evenings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dreamers of all age, with good evening, dreamers of all ages. Disney is also working overtime to get these LGBTQIA2S+. Can you believe we've gotten to that? The related content on the children's television screens. With one Disney executive, he was lamenting that not enough lead characters in Disney contents or LGBTQIA, and another admitting Disney encouraged her not-at-all-secret-gay agenda when she became an employee. If all that wasn't enough, Disney CEO Bob Chappick caved to the leftist, coming out against Florida legislation that prevents the grooming and sexualization of kids in school. Now, parents, grandparents, and others are expressing their dismay, saying, Walt Disney would turn over in his grave if he saw what his company is doing. It's time to void your household of all things Disney. That's from Patty Garibay, an Ohio-based parent and grandparent. Walt Disney most often cited his most important lesson is that of goodwill always triumphs over evil, she said. Today's Disney promotes a full spectrum of lifestyles that rarely align with the biblical values of good and evil that God calls us to. It's been said before, 
and the bear sang again. Walt would turn over in his grave. Meanwhile, a Tennessee father of a 10-month-old daughter said that as a new father, I have decided not to expose my baby to any of Disney's products, anything they stream, or even their theme parks. There are so many other wholesome options for her. He added that he will allow his daughter to watch the older Disney films on DVD that he was raised on. They taught values, he said, that kids need and can understand. Things like loyalty, friendship, working through obstacles, and the love of family. Disney doesn't seem to understand that parents have so many options now, he said. Ultimately, I think they're going to lose on this wokeness gamble. One mother and grandmother said, I gave up on Disney years ago when they started opening the parks up for gay pride activities while families were there. Can you believe all this madness that we're dealing with? And it's everywhere. And nowhere, nobody, or exempt. It's happening, folks. When's it going to stop? When is it going to stop? I think we're headed to a road, and I think at the end of it, it's going to be mostly good for a lot of us. Some, not so much. When's this going to happen? I really don't know, but I think this. Till I see my master face to face. Watch the twilight, twilight midnight, midnight, morning, morning But I know for sure he's coming real soon. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see, girl. 